dive episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm your host, Aaron Benoit, and I'm joined as always by our wrestling historian, Bobby Hankinson. Hello. And experiencing this all for the first time, Eric Silver. Happy to be on the podcast with episodes that are maybe a little bit longer than an episode of The Crown. You can probably, you know, have an earbud in one ear as you're watching Diana uh, have an eating disorder for multiple episodes in an arc. Actually, if you listen to this while playing an episode of The Crown backwards, it totally syncs up. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Start at the moment where you see uh, Charles's ugly face. And And from there, it's the holiday season. And as a special gift to you, we've got two deep dive episodes in a row, mainly because we are entering into late 1999 and there is so much going on. So many stories. We have now got two different brands, Raw and SmackDown, each of them filling the the hours of TV with different stories every week. And this week, we've got a story with a major intergender wrestling storyline. We've got the state of the women's championship, and we've got the introduction of two icons from wrestling history into this. And I have to say, to start things off, I don't know how I feel about this story at the end of it, but the answer is probably better than I should. Yeah, we're going to talk about this, but man, I had a lot. This was a journey. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> just like a really slow, bumpy journey. <laughs> you know, you know how when you like take a sip of something from the refrigerator and you're not lo- sure how long it's been in the refrigerator, and like at first you're like, "Oh, that doesn't taste like milk." Oh, that kind of tastes like cantaloupe. Oh, you know what I mean? Like you just go through this thing where you're like, "If I." If I, you know, divorce my um, senses of what this should be from what it is, is maybe this taste is enjoyable. And then you're like, mm, actually, there's a bitterness. I don't know. Yeah, so I'm not sure where I landed on this one. Also, Eric just drinks things. Just yeah. Reaches man. into the <laughs> fridge and just like, I'm going to find out how this is by drinking it. Is it cantaloupe? You know what my is new... it milk? We don't know. <laughs> Got some purple you know stuff. My new... My, my new move uh, with milk that I'm not sure if it's gone bad is to take a, sw- a swig of it and swish it around, but not drink it. <laughs> and if it, if it tastes a little carbonated, spit that out, rinse it out, throw oh, it out. Wait, just, just taking a swig wait. of milk in general is disgusting to me. <laughs> so, okay, so many questions right now. Eric, do you have – is it cow's milk in your refrigerator? <laughs> do you have milk of the bovine? Um, yeah, so, uh, we, you know, I don't usually have, uh, I, I, for a while I'd never had milk in the house and actually these days we haven't had it, but, um, uh, Talia uses it for her coffee sometimes when it's there. Also, I've gotten into, I went through a huge spate when, uh, when a doctor was trying to convince me that I had high cholesterol. Um, I went through a... A, a, a round of doing a lot of like homemade oatmeal. So this recipe that I had called for milk and the oatmeal. And so I was like, all right, let's just do this. And also I've been getting this, um, I think it's like Stony Brook farm milk or whatever, where it comes in like a, a beautiful milk bottle. Uh, so <laughs> sure. it's like a bottle of milk and uh, you can actually, you know, if you like, 
we've actually like kept the bottles and like use them for water bottles and we use them to like store things. You can also, it's like a $2 deposit. So you can bring it back and, uh, and get your $2 back. So yeah, I've been, uh, I mean, look, if they put coconut milk in a beautiful glass bottle, maybe I'd buy that. There is nothing more disgusting to me than just a glass of milk. Hard agree. Also, is this relatable content to anyone outside of Brooklyn? (laughs) First of all, how 2020s is we're like, I'm sorry, do you have cow's milk in your house? And you're like, okay, okay. It's only because I was trying to find my cholesterol and sometimes they come in a super organic bottle and I swear to you, it's right from the farm. It's a $2 deposit so you know it's good. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm not, I'm not using cartons. I am, yeah. Uh, we have we have look, international I, listeners too, so they might not even know what a milk bottle is. Uh, right, bag of milk, as as uh, famously we know. Um, you know, I had really good milk when I was in Ireland. Uh, I studied abroad in Ireland, and I stayed on a, at like a place where they had a cow on premise, and we had like fresh, <laughs> Eric freshly drank, Eric drank right from the teat. <laughs> yeah, I. But I think the- uh, you know it was the it was thick thick you know it was like creamy <laughs> milk it was very good. <laughs> oh, how dare you? Don't you dare swish that in your mouth, Mister. I, I, they it's it's weird. They only had one udder though, like uh, one teat. Oh, I, I don't no, get it. No, oh no! <laughs> and, and the other takeaway is I think Eric is going to the same doctor as Mark Henry when he was trying to get his uh, cholesterol in order. <laughs> I wish uh, I was going to the same uh, to the same psychiat- psychiatrist though. Uh, I saw some of those clips while I was watching the homework. Eric, what are you doing? Save it. Oh, Save is, that, is that going to come up? Oh man. Okay. Um. And so, in addition, it's good that we're talking about Mark Henry at the start right here because we are going off of SummerSlam. If you uh, haven't listened yet, you could check out our SummerSlam 1999 episode. And while you're at it, leave a little rate and review. At that point. But coming out of there, Jeff Jarrett has both the Intercontinental and European Championships after a match with D'Lo Brown. He comes out with Deborah and Mark Henry. And then we get one of the, the worst things that I, I really, really hate from this time, which is the champion bestowing the championship on another person as if you don't have to have a wrestling match, as though if I'm... The, the European champion, I am just allowed to just give that gift that to somebody else and they are then the champion. Give me at yeah. least give me at least a finger poke poke of doom or something if you want to do some bullshit like that. Yeah, I, I actually I did write, can you just give belts? I didn't realize because like, you know, a lot of Christmases have passed in that locker room and I'm sure, <laughs> you know, there were some good friends in there who probably are a little upset. Well, Eric, who did you beat to get your belt, huh? <laughs> That's true. I beat, honestly, I beat death. <laughs> and cholesterol, high cholesterol, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we get, ah, Precious Deborah, who is the executive director of Jarrett uh, Industries. Is that an LLC? What exactly is Jarrett Industries producing? But whatever it is, apparently... She needs an assistant and is given an assistant in Miss Kitty. Now, this is a very deep cut reference that you guys will get, but I don't know if anyone else listening will. This reminds it me It hasn't so stopped much... anything that we've talked about so far. Oh, that's true. 
But this reminds me so much of the end of Muppet Family Christmas where Miss Piggy gets Maureen the Mink. <laughs> She's like a smaller, scrawnier version of Miss Piggy. And that's what I feel about Miss Kitty and Deborah, where she got like a miniature version of herself to be like some like a clone. Because Michael Cole also asks, what is she, some kind of assistant? Even though she was clearly introduced as precisely some kind of assistant. <laughs> That is, uh, listeners trust us, that is a very, very funny reference. And guys, it's about <laughs> to get really, really dark outside, um, it, both like in physically, literally, metaphorically, in all the ways. Um, so if you really, really need a good hug one night, go on YouTube, Muppet Family Christmas from 1987. It is going to warm your heart in a way that we just cannot. Yeah, and just so you know, it's not the Muppet Christmas Carol. No. Yeah, don't get it twisted. That is a very, yeah, that's a very different movie. This is this is just like a a, a variety show, like a you know, like a musical review uh, comedy. If ten minutes in, everybody. you are not at Fozzie's mother's farm, then you're at the wrong place, my friend. <laughs> We're forced. That's how I feel about every holiday. If ten minutes in, I'm not at the farm. If I'm not drinking milk from a Muppet cow. I'm in the wrong place. But Jeff claims that he is the greatest intercontinental championship champion ever, and in order to prove it, he is going to put a contract on the locker room door, uh, and anyone who wants to sign it can get a contract to get a match for the intercontinental championship. Which doesn't really fit in with his whole heel persona, where like anybody can take a stab in it, but whatever. I like this. It's something that I would like to see more of. Yeah, I like sort of, like, the open sign-ups. Again, as someone who's watching a lot of Degrassi, this also reminds me of, like, when they're, like, who wants to be in the school play? Who wants to join the spirit squad? You know what I mean? Like, that's what it reminds yeah. me of. We're going to post it up on the locker room door, sign up by three. Do you, do you think all the wrestlers go and, and like, run to the bulletin board to see who made, like, the first, uh, first challenger for the belt? Well, I mean, I can't believe how much this all revolved around the fact that Billy Gunn couldn't find a pen. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> So there, because so keeping in mind, there are multiple corporate offices behind the scenes of this of this arena. Also, you know, you think that like he did he just like see the thing and and like look for a pen or like was he looking for that sign up sheet or was he passing by and he saw the sign up sheet? He well, those little shorts there to be a... pockets. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm saying is, did he did he seek out the sign up sheet and think that like. Jarrett was going to have a pen hanging from a yes, string, exactly. like, like a bank thing. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so backstage we cut to where Billy Gunn is, is like, patting himself down, thinking he might have a pen on him somewhere. <laughs> and then China comes in, he's like, China, China, do you have a pen? She's like, no, I do not have a pen. And then he walks away, but, aha, China did have a pen. <laughs> This is a great game. Uh, China, do you have a number two pencil? No, no, I don't. And then you walk away and she's like, ah, now I will take my SATs. This Scantron got nothing on me. So I Billy love Gunn's... this, though. But also, I just love Sorry. the fact that, like, it's canon now that wrestlers don't famously don't have pens or pencils. <laughs> they just no, walk around. China... With... But she's the exception. That's why. But it, this is also like subtle commentary on gender, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as this whole episode will be subtle commentary on gender. Um, yes, yeah, very subtle. Very subtle. But here, as you can see, 
the female competitor is prepared, whereas mm. someone whose name is famously, fam- famously, uh, Mr. <laughs> Ass, does not have a pen. Not prepared. Not prepared. Shows up at work, doesn't even have a pen. I uh, I like that, that uh, China's a bit of an imp. She's like, hoo 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 hoo, sign up. Yeah, I did like the sort of uh, the, 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 the caperness of it all. Yeah, I mean, well, considering that the, the Billy Gunn element is definitely the least compelling part of this entire story, I, this injects at least a little bit of interest into it. Yeah, if I had a nickel. It's also the part that, like, it's also the part that, like, doesn't make that much sense to me. Like, you know, at, okay, right now it's fine, right? Like, mm-hmm. as we proceed further down the line, the, uh, the, the you know, the, when Billy Gunn makes his appearances, it makes less and less sense. And I think that's kind of a commentary on where Billy, or yeah, where Billy Gunn was in the company at this point, coming off of King in the Ring, not what three months ago, and now playing second fiddle to China. Yeah. By the way, um, I'm really surprised that Jeff Jarrett makes enough money to afford another employee. Yeah, like I, I, we gotta take a look behind into the books here at uh, Jared Enterprises, or Jared. Here's what I think. Jared conglomerate. Yeah, I think, I, I think they make guitars, and so it's a little bit of like self dealing. It's like, oh, well, um, you know, I only use uh, Jared Industry guitars when I'm doing my promos. So WWE, you're gonna ha- probably have to pay me for my uh, guitar budget. And then he just breaks guitars over and over. Well, no spoilers, but Jared Industries are very hard-nosed negotiators. Am I right, Aaron? (laughs) Foreshadowing. (laughs) (laughs) But it's good you bring up the guitars because later in the episode, Mr. Ass calls out China, um, at which point they confront each other, and Jeff Jarrett emerges in order to hit China over the head with a guitar. Miss Kitty has another one that Mr. Ass uses on Jeff Jarrett instead. So not a very good first day at work for Miss Kitty. I mean, who among us? First day in the job, you're the new kid, the new person in at the, at the office. You're just trying to make a good impression. You're just trying mm-hmm. to help out. You see an opportunity. You're like, oh my God, they, they're, they're out of guitars. Here's another guitar. I should give it to him. My- do, you, do you think uh, Miss Kitty was, was like... Um... Christina Applegate and don't tell mom the babysitter is dead. She's like, I'm right on that, Deborah. I'm right on that. Jared took her backstage and was like, guitars are for closers. <laughs> so we go to SmackDown on the 26th. We've got Jeff Jarrett versus Mr. Ass. Um, Mr. Ass starts off by getting his ass beat to his own music, which has to be embarrassing. This is actually a pretty good matchup and so this is one of the moments where there's actual wrestling going on as a part of this story but china again grabs the guitar for miss kitty and hits deborah mr ass rolls up jj and china hits him in the dick yeah i think if you ever worried if getting hit with the guitar maybe really doesn't hurt i think deborah really says it all here by the way she you know she took this guitar shot and you're like <laughs> she did not want to do that <laughs> There's a lot of uh, women being forced to do things that they didn't want to do on this one, though. Subtle. Subtle commentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, subtle. Very subtle. 
So back to Raw on August 30th. Um, Miss Kitty starts by helping Deborah with her makeup, which actually seems like something that Miss Kitty could do. But sure. absolutely nothing comes out of this. I expected uh, Deborah's contours to look amazing when she came out. Yeah, like she had a real beat for the gods. So then they go um, down to the ring, and Miss Kitty ducks under the ring ropes, and okay, I'm pretty I'm sure her labia pops out I was, from under I was her say, dress. Yeah, right? I can see Miss Kitty's full pubic mound. Like, I, <laughs> that's the only way I could describe it. I was, I, it was shocking. It was shocking. <laughs> you were shocked? I was shocked. It should have been censored. I feel like they could have, like, I can't believe <laughs> they should have blurred it. It was very, it was very intense. There is a point in the homework where they must have had a talk with the camera people and been like, you, you can't like, cause there were, cause like we used to see up Deborah's skirt a lot when she came in and there was a point where like they very clearly cut away as she's entering the ring and will not show that shot anymore. Like, I feel like she must have spoken to them or something. And meanwhile, Miss Kitty's like, do me, do me, do me. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Miss Kitty's getting like a colonoscopy on air. <laughs> yeah, she had to drink only fluids the night before. It was milk fresh from the teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so we got Jeff Jarrett and Mark Henry versus D'Lo Brown and Billy Gunn. China is at ringside on commentary. Um, China accidentally hits Billy Gunn, but then just kind of like stands in the ring after it happens. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, I think when China was on commentary, I think Lawler said something like, Hey, no disrespect, but if Jeff Jarrett lost to you, he'd never live it down. <laughs> is that no disrespect? I'd say that <laughs> is quite exactly bit. disrespect. Quite a bit of disrespect. Okay. Yeah, the, um. the good guy commentator <laughs> doesn't get it either. Well, that's this was... She... China was bad on commentary here. This mm-hmm. I have my note was China on commentary here sucks because she is. We kind of talked about this on one of our recent episodes. We call you know talked about what a tweener China is, and mm-hmm. I think at no point in time and then during this stretch is it like much harder to like maintain uh, both ends of the story, where she's like kind of a villain but also kind of the hero of this story. She's a, she is a villain but she's a hero of this story. I mean, look, let's be let's be honest about China's strengths and weaknesses. Um, I think her I think her mic work is weak generally. Right. I when she's prepared, I think her mic work is very strong when she's got the good material to work with. I don't think that she's much of an improviser when it comes to talking. I would give China a solid B B plus at her best. I think that's I think that's really her ceiling on the mic. Mm-hmm. I just think she has a, but she has a presence to her that I think, uh, she it's hard to get across on commentary because you don't a yes. see her and she is just a, a an amazing human being to literally behold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I just feel like without that sort of like confidence and delivery and like facial expressions and everything, it just doesn't translate. Well, yeah, I mean, look, there are, you know, like I'd say a B commentator, uh, a B. A uh, performer on the mic does not rate going on commentary, right? Like, uh, even even like Stone Cold, you know, he's he, there have been times where I think earl- earlier in his career on WWF, um, I think he was better on the mic, 
but like even he, you know, is not all, not that great on the mic, right? I, like so. I, I guess to you, be fair, you, you know, like you need to have a certain a level, right? I guess to be fair, most people, I, most of the time, this sort of like uh, person engaged in the rivalry on commentary and the, during the rivals match is generally bad. I yeah. guess, like, the more I'm thinking about uh, even, like, the like AJ Styles, like, you know what I mean? Like, even the people that are the best of the best, it's just a very annoying trope where they're just constantly, like, comically ragging on their opponent. And, you know, you're just waiting for them to interfere, get in each other's faces. And it seems like a stop. I think when I th- you're right. I think the list of people that are good at that spot is way shorter than those who are bad. Like, off the top of my head, I feel like Kevin Owens is, like, really good at doing yes. uh, guest commentary during someone's match. Yes, Kevin Owens is great. I think even like uh, HBK was pretty good, right? Yeah, I could see that. I'm, I'm trying to remember specifically, He's, but I'm trying to remember too. There, it was, early on in our episodes, I feel like we had HBK on the mic, and uh, he, you know, he, oh, he wasn't okay. He's never he's never inspiring, but he's usually you know he's good for a couple you know funny quips. And I think that's um, I think that's the problem though is is that these segments tend to go for a lot longer than um than there's any payoff for. Yeah, eight minutes on commentary is way different than two and a half minutes uh, promo in the ring. Mm-hmm. So this story is going to um, China and Mister Ass's rivalry in order to see who's going to get the Intercontinental Championship it, uh, title shot. It's not worth even paying that much attention to, but on September second. Triple H interferes with China and his match in order to send China to Unforgiven as the number one contender for the IC title. Things really start to pick up the following um, SmackDown, though, on... I'm sorry, was that Raw? I don't know. Uh, September 6th, Michael Cole is interviewing Jackie, who has been challenged by Jeff Jarrett in for a match. Um, and Jackie has that great line about bringing down Deborah and Miss Kitty because it's not the first time I've smacked around three dumb blondes in one night. Yeah. But Jeff comes out and immediately is, has the ire of the crowd when he announces, no puppies tonight. Miss Kitty is there in her cool mom pink workout clothes. Ugh. Yeah, what a hmm. terrible time in fashion, man. <laughs> yeah, it was... I, I is this know. around the time... Is this around the time when... um? Uh, Lawler starts going his <laughs> here, kitty, kitty. Like he does that nonstop, huh? Yeah, I think the better question is when isn't the time when Lawler is doing that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Do you know that they got married? I I knew that they were dating, but I did not know that she married him. Jackie, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Jackie sells the hell out of this match. Um, it starts yes. with, with Jeff Jarrett just, like, repeatedly stepping on her head. Well, this is... Jacqueline has a little bit of a history in her gender wrestling as well, going back to WCW. Um, she obviously... I mean, Jackie's body is fucking amazing. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I know, like, when now with China, it's, like, makes Jackie look like uh, Terry, <laughs> basically. <laughs> but Jackie is solid as fuck. I mean, like, she is strong, and she had an intergender feud in WCW with Disco Inferno uh, mm. and was having uh, intergender matches uh, in WCW. Like, she was basically uh, almost like a proto-China in, a, in a, a little bit. I guess closer to some ECW women, but, you know, the idea basically that she was kind of like an exceptional, an exceptional woman. So I think it's interesting 
that WWF started with Jacqueline in this sort of series. And I'm surprised, I guess because it's WCW, they would never acknowledge the, the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it did seem to be like a very, uh, it, it definitely was, I think, uh, subtext here. It's fit, yeah, it's fitting. And, and the, if, if you know, you know, kind of thing. But yeah, it was awesome. I mean, like she really, she really sold those bumps. It was really cool to see. It, the The one thing that I would say is not fun about it is uh, that you don't get to see her really fight back that much. You know, like you got you got hit, she pinned him in the corner at one point, and that was about it. But mostly, you know, she really put Jared over. It's a shame because in another it it. it does remind me and we're getting we're, we're like really entering some dark ages of uh the women's division here uh but it just makes me think like Jacqueline is a good worker you know what i mean luna mm-hmm. good worker and it's like what could have been different had there been a, you know if those performers had the chance to perform today like what would their careers have been like that's why it was cool to see like Jacqueline in the the uh, first ever women's royal rumble mm-hmm. uh because she is like she's a good worker man yeah but Jackie loses this match, and then after the match, Miss Kitty distracts the ref, and Jeff Jarrett hits her with a guitar. But why Kitty needed to distract the ref after the match, I don't know. Look, she's still getting, you know, getting the hang of the ropes. Like she doesn't quite understand all of the, you know, the ins and outs of wrestling. She doesn't know where the extra coffee pods are in the office. <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot to take in. In the actually in the back, she's just constantly distracting refs. She doesn't realize it doesn't matter there. She's just so they're trying to they're just walking around. She's like, look over there. They're like, what? What's going on? Excuse me, Earl. <laughs> <laughs> or is it or is it Earl's twin brother? Does Earl actually have a twin brother? I wasn't sure if yeah. they were making yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Okay. Yes, yes, yes. There he is. does. Okay, he I was really that, wondering yeah. that too. Yes. Are they tr- like identical twins? Yes. Uh, that's a parent trap I'd like to see. <laughs> On September 9th, Hardcore Holly and Crash Holly come out with the scales for their own open challenge. Um, China comes out and Hardcore Holly says, You're a woman. I'm a man. Good observation there, Bob. <sighs> Don't expect too much. By the way, why doesn't China have her own music? Yeah, it's annoying. We're getting there, I think. This is okay, good. You know, because we're watching this develop in real time. Like we know in retrospect that China is a huge star, but this is her becoming a huge star. Mm-hmm. I did. I I don't know. I like the line. Uh, the sacks of silicone you have on there might make you uh, reach the weight requirement. Um, but only, <laughs> only because it's followed up by a monster DDT by China before the JJ run in. Yeah, I mean it's it's fun, you know. I I think um, there's there's a morality play happening, right? Where it's oh, yeah. like they're you know they're the Hollies uh, tell China to leave, and then she kicks their asses, mm-hmm. and then there's something satisfying about that. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I think that's what I mean, that's what this whole that's what this whole thing is. I think a lot of the complicated feelings we have because to get to the payoff, we have to go through the suffering. You know what I mean? The hero's journey. <laughs> you know, like to get yes. to the the comeuppance, we have to go through like the heinous actions of the villain, which is very uncomfortable to watch, mm-hmm. especially right. The, the, call, the call to action by Jeff Jarrett and Tom Pritchard. Yeah, she crossed the threshold into into a mud wrestling ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So the refusal of the pen, you know, the famously the hero's journey. Um, <laughs> but I think what's, you know, just to give a little context here in the back, because I'm always very interested by the, I, I've been really interested to get into this story and China's, you know, I think we've been talking from the beginning, how I'm excited I am to like revisit this part of China's career. And like, with my understanding of how wrestling works now and really like curious about like what the reactions were in the back and especially someone like Bob Holly, who I think of as sort of like a, a, a wrestler, um, and maybe the least generous terms in terms of like a he's like a, a southern ding dong you know which is not fair but whatever uh this is but I, I was curious about like how they actually you know people would take this in the back and it just seems like the impression i'm getting from everything i'm reading uh china's very complicated obviously because she has her own personality wise but in terms of like strictly on paper working with a woman like this not maybe necessarily china or china's abilities or whatever but strictly the idea of, of having to work a woman uh, and potentially lose to a woman or whatever. Everyone was extremely cool with it. It seems <laughs> like it does. Like the the general sense you get from hearing from Pritchard or Bob Holly's book or Jericho's book, or even like interviews that Jarrett did, is that like China, while she was had some limitations, was sold as this like actual ninth wonder of the world, and like there was not a lot of women out there built like her, six feet of pure muscle. You know, like that's. Uh, uncommon and they all kind of like understood this as entertainment and understood this as like just the same way it might be embarrassing for bob holly to lose to x-pac uh the same sort of logic they applied to it as like this is all part of the entertainment which i think is actually kind of really cool yeah 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 i mean i the the jeff jarrett character is probably my least favorite person that i could ever meet but it seems like jeff jarrett the dude it seems pretty cool i remember you telling us the story about how his uh the match where he got his head shaved was in order to um because his wife was going through chemo and he wanted to show solidarity i mean the guy seems like a pretty stand-up person behind this awful character well you know people are complicated let's just Mm -hmm. people are late many layered i i you know i've i have i've been digging a lot into jeff Jarrett, obviously in anticipation of this discussion most of which will not be relevant at all (laughs) but (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I, I, I never liked Jeff Jarrett a lot. He's like just not a character that ever like spoke to me, um, which is probably why he made such a good heel. Uh, but he has such like an old school, like third generation wrestling from like the real old school, you know, terrible Ted Bear wrestling kind of like crazy carny times. Uh, so he's a he's an interesting character, man, with a lot of with a pretty crazy history. Yeah, um, I think, you know, look, I, I think probably what it comes down to is he contains multitudes and, you know, he's got that probably he's, he's got that same sense of like stand upness that uh, a lot of people, uh, you know, a- across the country that we that we may otherwise write off or think are terrible people for other choices that they make. You know, if, if you know, within certain contexts, we'd be like, wow, that that's like a good person. You know what I mean? Wow, I guess we all learned something that day, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> but well, you know, I don't know. Like, 
Well, but it's it's. I um, could see I could see I could see him containing both of those things. It's it's an important conversation to have though right now because um, the next segment is going to introduce us to another very controversial, uh, multifaceted person Ooh. who I think history does not look at quite so kindly. Um, so it, wait, is this is this the part where Jeff where it starts with Jeff Jarrett like? Uh, giving the promo and then yes yeah, so jeff jarrett comes in and says there's no way to be politically correct um he doesn't want to wrestle a woman and then he goes to that old trope that i never quite understand completely that a woman's place is barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen i understand the kitchen part i understand the pregnant part but i've never quite understood the barefoot part i guess just because so, she doesn't she doesn't go outside yeah she had nowhere to go I don't know, man. Most kitchens, they've got those linoleum or tile floors. They get kind of cold, and she's pregnant. At least let her first put some of socks all, on. First of all, well, okay, maybe socks, but if, if you are, you know, if you're wearing shoes inside the house, you're already living in a, in a, a whole other world of dirt that is not acceptable. <laughs> like, I, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of cultures have figured this out, and, you know— barefoot or socks or maybe house slippers that's the way to go but don't wear don't wear your shoes around the house especially in the kitchen okay it's at this point that he sees two wwe hall of famers in the fabulous moolah and may young and calls them up i mean these women are in their 70s 70s these are really 70 year old women this is not like when they say uh viscera is 800 pounds this is they are literally in their 70s these women yeah no and they they look every year of it if not more honestly like my mom is in her 70s and i think it it shows that uh my mom was not engaged in a wrestling career because you know she holds up relatively well compared to them well i mean look I'd like to see if yeah. your mom's going through tables or whatever in her 80s because <laughs> – Also true. Also true. <laughs> I think these – I'm like – it is – there is something – there's something so wrong about this, obviously. Uh, obviously, it goes without saying that watching anyone, man, woman, young, old, brutalize 70-year-old women is not something that should be enjoyable per se to watch. However, However... There, there is something <laughs> – campy about this like that's what it is is it's camp uh and these women yeah. you could even tell even when they're not supposed to be are having the goddamn times of their lives like they are having so much fun and that's what um i you know pritchard says and whatever when you hear from folks who are working with them at the time that they were just like so happy to be working they were like that was so much they would come back like that was so much fun they'd be covered in mud or whatever they were just so happy mm. to be like working and doing this business that they loved because they're kind of like you know fucking michael jackson weirdos were like this is all they've ever known since the 20s or whatever so like it's crazy it's there is something very it, i don't know I, I don't know if i'm even making sense but it's no, no. you are i mean look it's a it, i think there's a you know it, this is i guess is this horseshoe theory where it's like uh like you know, we should never, we should never want to wish to see uh, a seventy-year-old woman. Like, don't hit women, don't hit seventy-year-old women. But also, uh, isn't it kind of like you know, isn't there a, a certain amount of equality in the fact that they are 
you know, treating these, you know, these former wrestlers as the same way they would treat other former wrestlers, you know what I mean? And the same way that they would treat each other and that they expect to be treated as they get older. It's it's like it's anti-ageist in a certain way. Uh, it's anti, you know, you know, it, it's proto-feminist. I, it's weird. This and is... it's, also, it's also just fucking funny. And uh, and it's good heat on Jeff Jarrett, too. Yeah, I like... Well, yeah. Uh, I, I don't... There, we'll get some things with May and Moolah that I think are degrade... That are, are actually degrading. Uh, but this feels like, you know, like a Davy and Goliath sort of... Davy and Goliath? <laughs> Davy and Goliath. <laughs> I don't know if that's such a good idea, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> But you know what I mean? This is like, yeah, he gets beaten down by the bullies and then they rise up. And it just seems like the story, uh, you know, like you said, this is this is a morality play, this whole thing. Uh, so they kind of get their comeuppance. But yeah, uh, Mula, Eric, I think if you don't know if you have all the context for this and I don't, and I don't have all of the context for this. In fact, I don't think anyone. Nobody does. All of yeah. The context for this. So it's a very complicated uh situation uh mula uh, is a trailblazer in women's wrestling making it an important part of the card etc and so on Re- responsible for training so many women getting so uh b- running the business basically as as almost like an aid as like an agent not basically an agent as an agent representing all the women to help all these territory bookers book women on their cards uh and of course in dealing those dirty dealings uh mula has a reputation for skimming a little bit more off the top for like forcing, you know, the girls if they want to work with her, they have to like live in her dorm house where they like pay her rent. You know, it's like it's very It's uh, like company store uh, kind of stuff. Yeah. And then there's there's also an element and I and this is this gets, you know, I, I don't this is just the information that is out there. Nothing is in court, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But it, there are a, there are talks of many situations of these female performers under Mula's care ending up in very dangerous, violent, exploitative situations. Um, for example, like say something such as maybe being sent for, to get promote uh, headshot photographs and being taken advantage of sexually. Uh, uh. So there's, it's a lot of very complicated uh, histories here. Uh, and I, and I don't, and you know, and we also don't fully support, you know, removing the art from the artist or whatever i feel like on this podcast we, we're, we're mm-hmm. pretty clear about that so mula is just is a very complex historical figure if you might recall the first um wrestlemania battle royal was originally a fabulous mula memorial battle royal and people freaked out and they took off the name and then it was just the Rus- women's wrestlemania battle royal it was uh, a lot easier I mean, to I, sell the uh the may young classic because she's come out of uh historically a lot cleaner yeah, I I gotta say, if your if your agent goes by the name Mula, you probably <laughs> should worry about you know ask for receipts. It's like who's repping you? The fabulous Mula. Who's repping you? It's like Honest Arlene. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, Chuck Chuck the CPA. Yeah, okay, I'll go with Chuck, man. Um, okay, so I want to talk for a second about. Okay, this is this is probably the the uh longest one of the first longest introduction of jeff jarrett's worldview in his character and uh i mean look we can i think now is as good a time as any to break it down because he just says the same thing over and over and over right like you know when we say like 
uh, with, you know, the time that he said that uh, men are superior and women are inferior, and we have to be like, which time? There is multiple weeks of this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But but I do want to say I like I I'm I I can uh, I can believe in things if you ha- but you have to sell it to me and you have to sell it to me as uh, the, as m- being con- logically consistent within the world and I don't understand the logic of all this because he's basically saying a woman's place you know uh, you know a woman's place is in the kitchen but like. He, you know, but then he's like, oh, well, let me, here are, you know, here's Moolah and, uh, and, and Mae Young. Like, come on up, these, 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 uh, these legends. And I know he's gonna, he's basically gonna use this as to build them up to take them down. But like, he's, is it like, I don't know exactly what he's saying. Is he saying like, women don't belong in the wrestling ring or women don't belong in the wrestling with men. And therefore I'm going to beat you with a guitar. Like. You know? It's that rest, women's wrestling is not equal to men's wrestling, and therefore women are not equal wrestlers to men. And so even these um, legendary women wrestlers, it's still – you guys knew, though, it was like piddly business. Like you know you were doing this as so, – you know it wasn't as good, and you could never measure up to the men. Not like this China who thinks that she has the, the – that she can actually go toe-to-toe with me or Jacqueline or whatever. These women who think that they can – they actually stand a shot. You guys knew your place. You don't belong in the ring with a man is what I really think the the full sentence is. I, I, I would love for what you said to be what came out of his mouth. I wish there was something along the lines of like, you guys are great. But, you know, like if, if he did it, if it was in the hands of someone like, I don't know, like The Rock or 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 no, you know, in the hands of someone like Jericho, I think we would have gotten something where it would have been like this, like these uh backhanded compliments that are that are huge and being complimented and also huge and being backhanded and in, in terms of just saying like you know you guys you guys are legends and you you know you guys know you you know that like what we do is different from what you guys did and you know uh but then and i think on on those merits i think that is a a coherent worldview that i can buy into and then you know then we we try to shatter that Right, but then like to throw in the uh, barefoot pregnant and you know in the kitchen, it's like, well, then are you saying? Then you're not saying that, right? Because now you're saying they shouldn't even be in the workforce. So which is it? You know, it's like it's like he just went on this like crutch of like, well, what what do male chauvinist pigs say? Okay, I'm gonna go with these. It's like uh, the way pilots always say, sit back, relax, and enjoy your flight. Mm -hmm. Like you know, they they have to they have that rule of threes of things, and it sucks. I just feel this whole thing reminds me, uh, Jeff Jarrett's character here, I would just describe as AO- AOC's Twitter replies. That's basically, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, it doesn't really make sense. It's like, they, you know, things you would never actually say out loud, but you know, there's people who really believe this out there that you're like, wait, there's people that really believe that women shouldn't be working that like, and <laughs> right. like, how dare you and be it- a woman and do things? And, and as, like as somebody right. who has employed two women to come out yeah. with them yes <laughs> right you hire you took one out of the workforce yes or into the workforce yeah i mean like i think i'm well, okay i it's not really to your point bobby it's not women shouldn't be working it's women shouldn't be doing anything other than housework right so it's like they shouldn't be they shouldn't have any financial independence from having a job 
because their job is is taking rate is uh is tending the house yeah it would be nice if they they took the extra step with the character but i mean when they're rushing to get out this content every week and fill up all this time all they're like all right you hate the broads get out there kid i mean that's crazy though because we've got literally like 24 minutes over all over like four weeks of him just saying the same thing Mm -hmm. when you know uh uh in in a in a person's hands who kind of knows how to you know how to tweak it and play with the formula that's the time you get to to uh elucidate like a real coherent you know idea right like that's Mm -hmm. where like if you gave that that time to to mankind forget it you'd have like a you know a thesis on your hands But Mulan may fight back, said the men I knew in our day, we would kick their asses too. Mulan gets a guitar for it, and May gets put into the figure four. We then go to September 13th, and after a Michael Cole recap of what happened, I want to get more of the Jeff Jarrett stuff, but he does an open challenge to any women with the genitalia, and Luna accepts the challenge. During the match, though, Ivory uses the guitar on Luna, Jarrett loses because of the DQ and berates Lillian Garcia for announcing that he lost and puts her in the figure four as well. So like historically with inter, I know there's been, you know, intergen, this is not the first intergender wrestling, but from what you guys are aware of historically, like when there is intergender wrestling, does it usually take this form of like the main platform being, you know, the man says men are strong, women are weak. And, and like they, they fight about it or does it does it take other forms i honestly don't know enough to give you a a good answer to that i mean i'm sure it's not i mean because obviously there's there's a lot of times where romance angles are involved um you know you think about mark marrow and sable though that also had this i mean this all goes back to basically like andy kaufman and bobby riggs you know what i mean they're just basically replaying the same that same beat over and over and over again. I mean, they even have a, they even yeah. called it straight up battle of the sexes later on in this series, in, in these episodes. Yeah. We watch. So we are, that definitely is the trope. And if you think about it, you know, the way in wrestling universe that it has to work is the woman has to be, uh, the face for it to work. Uh, because you couldn't have a hero, a heroic face man, just like pounding a woman's face. That, that just, the crowd wouldn't accept it in these in the universe they've built and the rules they've built i think there is a prominent um father daughter exception to this that uh will much 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 later down the road be an insane thing for us to watch but uh i think overall you're gonna see this andy cop and bobby riggs battle the sexes over and over and over yeah, it definitely felt. I was like, you know, I this was this to me felt like an Andy Kaufman thing. I was like, okay, uh, we're just replaying this, and and Lawler's on commentary when Lawler was like there for the Andy Kaufman stuff in the first place. Like, yeah, that's what that's what was going through my mind at the time. So after the Lillian Garcia attack, we go backstage where Terry Taylor is interviewing China for a reaction, and China's reaction is basically, okay, so you beat up Lillian Garcia. That don't impress me much. (laughs) (laughs) Glad you worked that in. Yeah, that was very good. Thank you for that. No problem. Going to September 16th. Man, 
I think it was around now that I realized even Ivory's theme song is boring. <laughs> Ivory looks like she's one of Mae Young and Mula's contemporaries. I don't know what it is. She has huge old lady energy. I don't know what yes. it is about her. I think I don't know if it's like because she's wearing insane outfits. They're like bustiers yes. that make no sense. Like she goes to Frederick of Hollywood and he goes like, "Make me look like a Mormon gone wild." Like it's just it's like someone who has absolutely no idea has never seen anything sexy in their life. I I oh my god this is this is when I dug into Ivory too. I was like I thought Ivory looked like a very busy soccer mom. Like <laughs> in the face. Her face is like yes. very busy soccer suburban soccer mom energy. Yes. She looks like she's a big believer in wine Wednesdays. Yes. Uh yeah, like just I it's like it's like okay, you're a you I Am I attracted to you? I don't know. But, like, yeah, there's something about her face that's just so, like, uh, I don't know. She's a a beautiful woman, but she is very severe. And it's that sort of 90s, like, um, weird idea. And this happens, I think, in real life all the time. Like, she's wearing so much makeup, it makes her look older. Uh, like yes. it, it's just like that. It's just that everything about her. Yeah, just, I think Ivory's prettier insane. without makeup. <laughs> wow, brave! <laughs> so brave. <laughs> you know, if she just smiled more. God. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not dig. She like this. if you put her in a picture next to Don, next to Don Don Junior. Right? You would be like, oh, that's who. That's who. It's like she kind of has a Kimberly Guilfoyle look. The best is yet. To come! Yeah, that sounds... Yeah, that feels like Ivory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that. Okay, so now, did any of a, anyone know who Cindy Margolis was before watching this? Well, I only know... Well, I mean, I knew her from Shasta McNasty. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? And I knew from watching this. So, like, I... Originally, the first time. Mm-hmm. So, like, for this, I was like, oh, yeah, Cindy Margolis. I know her. She's the most talented woman on the internet, or whatever. <laughs> 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 I learned in 1999 and retained to this day where I was like, right, the most talented person in that Cindy Margolis, as we all know. That that metric is still the most amazing thing in the world. <laughs> we used to yes. count that. <laughs> Who, whose job is it to count the most downloaded? <laughs> well, you it's go to, li- honestly, you it's go whatever to, Napster's reporting. You go to AOL keyword woman. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Uh, well, you know, you know, actually, she, she, she actually was like, you know, uh, running up with with her competitors on most downloaded woman. But you have to really give a lot of credit to Stacey Abrams. She pulled in, just she, she got the whole, she got everyone out there. She got them downloading her picture. Uh, and then no, we can't, we can't do election humor. Okay. And then in one of the biggest what moments, Ivory is like, now do one of your sexy poses in the ring. Amazing. Don't you want to see the poses, everyone? And one's like, yeah, we want to see poses. You know us. We're we're a live audience dying for poses. (laughs) Entertain me with your poses. Not 200-pound men throwing each other around and doing flips. No, I want to see stationary static posing. Thank you. Well, no. The problem, the problem is that Ivory doesn't have a computer, so she can't download Cindy Margolis. She has to just be like, "Can you pose for me?" Well, she was going to want to see what other people the, see. The internet's not good enough for her apartment, so she can't download anybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I don't know if that wasn't that wasn't recorded, but Easter <laughs> egg. So, of course, um, Jeff Jarrett runs in and puts Sidney Margolis in a figure four to prove something. And then it's Ivory's turn after it because, of course, there's they're not really working together. Um, okay, so I had questions that by this point. I think I know the answer since. But first question I had at this point, like when Eric was watching this, was does Jeff Jarrett just attack all women? And I think the answer is yes. Uh, and then the other question is, he goes, that's a me- that's a message from me to China by my internet. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Jeff Jarrett, you don't know what the internet is. Well, there's only one because that's how you have to count who's most downloaded. <laughs> if we all have our own internet, how will we know who's the most downloaded? Help us, Shasta like- McNasty. Like, his wife's like, did you, did, you didn't respond to my IM. And he goes, I did put you in a figure four lock. Like, what are you talking about? Well, do want to download that? It's like, excuse me? <laughs> okay. Like, they, they all, they all could take some sort of, like, webinar. Just, to, or not webinar, because that's too much <laughs> too for hard, them. Too hard, too <laughs> hard. But like you know, if could you imagine like if WWF was just like, look, there's something called everyone just show up on a Sunday. There's something called the internet. We need to talk about it. Here's how you get internet literate, and they just like w- walk with them through a little bit of this. As as Jeff Jarrett is berating Cindy Margolis as she's getting loaded into an ambulance, he just adds <laughs> adds in. Now if you want some more of your bandwidth, then uh, come see me. <laughs> Wait a minute. Also, why is she being loaded in an ambulance? Does she be like, Doctor, we've got a severe case of figure four? Like, <laughs> she just, she looks pretty calm. She's like, on a stretcher, like, guys, I don't think I need to be on the stretcher. <laughs> well, it does That's the only way that Cindy Margolis gets pizza with the wrestlers afterwards. <laughs> Hey. You gotta get in the in the ambulance. We need to take you to the pizza place. I've That's a, how we pay you. I've got an early call time for Sasha McNasty tomorrow. Can we wrap this up? <laughs> and it's un- you think that's the most downloaded woman on the internet, you fucking dummy? <laughs> and it does give the opportunity for this storyline to get even more bloated with the addition of test. Uh, yeah. So the test and Jarrett Je- Jeff Jarrett Jarrett. <laughs> The Test and Jeff Jarrett match, uh, I I felt like by the time that everyone shows up at the end of that match, I felt like like Charlie in that "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" meme with like all of the all of the the strings on the on the board. I'm like, I don't know how everybody relates to each other in this. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So before we get to that, though, we do have to talk about. Um... During the Holly Cousins versus China and Mr. Ass, even though China did not want him there, that JJ run in where he hits China with the frying pan um, and he puts on the apron and puts the the frying pan in her hand. Because that will come back later on. But in that JJ versus test match, yes, Stephanie, the posse, Shane and the Stooges all make guest appearances from a future deep dive. Also, I think the most important thing to talk about here is Mr. Ass's hair, right? <laughs> he has one braid hanging down the side like he's going to junior prom. <laughs> <laughs> but he has like a little tendril. And he has a choker. It's like, is are, 
Are we sure he's okay? Look, he's going through a lot. He's he just got told his singles push is not gonna take. I know. Like, uh, look, he might he might do bangs. I support Billy Gunn no matter how what he's going through. Like, uh, but this is quite a look he's undertaking here. I have in my notes, Mister Ass One Braid question mark exclamation point exclamation point. <laughs> and I think that's the last we have to talk about, Mister Ass. On yep. this deep dive, right? Awesome. I believe so. And we'll be getting rid of Tess soon, but before that, Tess is going to say there's a street fight happening tonight, but JJ says no, it's going to be Tess and Stephanie versus JJ and Deborah, noted wrestler Deborah. Uh, before that could happen, though, Jeff Jarrett attacks Deborah's makeup woman. Oh, Janet. Damn it, but Janet. Janet- but Janet's been doing such a good job recently. I think we learned that Bangs is actually the best look for Deborah. Yeah, uh, finally someone got. Uh, finally, JJ Enterprises got someone to run a comb through Deborah's hair before she goes up to the ring. <laughs> right, she comes looking like such a goddamn mess all the time. Also, they they put a padlock on the dumpsters, so <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't even. Yeah, you know, she she had to you know actually check into a hotel for a little while. Um. I think by this point that Jeff Jarrett has a foot fetish because like it's it's a little weird how he focuses so much on these on these this one specific submission hold. It is a pretty I mean like uh, when you think about it it does kind of really work for the story because it is you know while it's been built up in wrestling as one of the most devastating maneuvers it looks so silly. Like the person has to yes. lay there so long and just submissively let you twirl around their legs like a maypole before you, like, you both, like, lay down in, like, uh, you know, like, some kind of tarot card mermaid zodiac sign configuration. Yeah, it, it looks like they're trying to tie a Windsor knot. Yeah. They're just like, okay, and the bunny goes through around the tree and <laughs> through the through the knot hole. Okay. After this is all over, when we can touch each other again, I want you guys to put me in these submission moves i really want to, i just want to know what they feel like um yeah well when we start our patreon when this <laughs> wait we will definitely not, record that is this a patreon or an only fans now <laughs> <laughs> um they're basically the same i'm fine with either both yeah whatever we'll get the most subscribers whatever gets the most subscribers for <laughs> Our OnlyFans is going to be uh, Aaron in Aaron in submission holds and me just drinking milk, milk running down my chin. I hate it so much. (laughs) This match is dumb. Uh, Stephanie is able to get the pin on JJ, even though that's not how these matches work. And even King is like, wait, that's not how these matches work. Well, we're definitely going to be in a world where intergender matches don't have the rules that we have in mixed tag matches today. Important distinction, the intergender and mix, the, mix, the mixed tag matches we have today, though, um, are the rules are it has to be competing against this, the same gender. But I don't know if that was always the rule, and that certainly doesn't seem like always the rule enforced, certainly during the Attitude Era. Either way, JJ's pissed at Deborah, and she gets the figure four as well. Then JJ tries to attack China backstage, um, and then just like fails. He also runs in during the main event, causing him and China to fight their way backstage. 
brings us to September 23rd, where Jeff is pissed now at the stage manager for asking him to wrap it up. Surprise, surprise, he puts her in the figure four. This leads to China hitting him with a frying pan and putting the apron on him this time. Takes off his shorts. Now she's the one wearing the pants. Great promo, great heat. I, I really thought she was going to say, now I wear the pants in this family. <laughs> I was like, okay, no, guess Th- not. This moment was it was so dumb and yet so, I found this so satisfying. Yep. I was like, hell yeah. I was like so fucking jazz. I thought the shorts thing was actually a really fucking good touch. A mm-hmm. really good touch. Agreed. Yeah. So this was the go home for the Unforgiven show, which if you haven't caught our our uh, coverage of that, you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Um, in that one, though, China wins, but is stripped of the title by Tom Pritchard because of interference by Deborah. So now we go to September 27th. Can we, before we move on, uh, just two two observations about <laughs> the September 20th match. Before we move is that on, weird? two weeks ago. <laughs> after after we moved on, uh, can we do a rewind? Uh, yeah. can, I just want to say, I think that uh, for the September 20th match, Stephanie looked like she was dressed for wrestling fantasy camp. Like they couldn't get they they couldn't come up with any ring gear for her, so they just gave her like all of the WWE like like swag to put on. So they can wear these WWE uh, t- this triple X WWE t shirt, and then you're gonna put on these WWF workout shorts, these WWF socks, this WWF beanie, and go wrestle. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like she had a one night stand with the WWF, and she's they're like, uh, here, you know, don't wear don't wear that dress going home. Go, you can you can borrow a few clothes. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to point out was that Tess did this, like, I don't know if you guys caught this, but apparently not, or didn't mention it. Um, Tess did this thing with, with Jeff Jarrett where he, like, he, like, took his arm, put it under his, like, like, threaded it through Jeff Jarrett's legs, like, took Jeff Jarrett's arm, Mm -hmm. threaded it through his legs, picked Jeff Jarrett up, and kind of, like, Flipped him all around to wind up just doing this like power slam. It was like this whole like that is technically that is a, ex- a pump handle power slam. Really, because it it just looks like a it looks like a like a weird like fireman's carry that like does nothing more than just end in a power slam. Yeah, it, you just, know? it just usually uh, the road dog also as a finisher uses just a pump handle slam where the setup is the same, but instead of flinging him over his shoulder, they just picks him up and puts him down. Basically, yeah. in front of him, so that would be a, that would just be a pump handle slam. So then a pump handle power slam would be the same pump handle setup, but then he flips him over his shoulder to the over the shoulder like power slam position. Um, so it's just like a bit of a fancier bullshit to like throw around some some dude. I think I think because uh, Test does it relatively slowly, it like it it shows the seams, right? Like it's just like uh okay, well, what are you even doing? You know, like I think in the hands of a more competent wrestler. It would look a lot cool. Sorry, a lot cooler. Yeah, like <coughs> excuse me, Cesaro would 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 kill with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sorry. We can go back to the present day, which is still twenty years ago. So then, on the September twenty seventh episode of Raw, which again it features the most highest rated segment in WWE history, um, backstage Jeff and Miss Kitty are talking to that cartoon drawing of the Beatles from Yellow Submarine, Tom Pritchard. 
We later find out that Jeff has a challenge for China and Deborah, featuring him and Dr. Tom Pritchard, which, what is Tom's doctorate in? Is this an angle that they were trying to get over? Well, okay, so Do- I, I did a little research into this. <clears throat> oh. We're ta- you're talking about why is he Dr. Tom Pritchard all of a sudden? Yes. So Tom Pritchard, obviously, he was a wrestler before... Um, long time ago with the Heavenly Bodies. Then we knew him as Zip in the Body Donnas, uh, working as a trainer. After he was Zip, he worked briefly as a masked jobber, mostly not on uh, on ho- mostly on house shows and like main event or superstars or whatever the non raw television show was as a jobber just just named Doctor X. So that's where the Doctor and Doctor Tom Pritchard, I believe, came from here. Oh, interesting. Dr. X eventually uh, went more into academia and became Professor X. Hmm. <laughs> then uh, when he was and... later disgraced and became Springfield gossip blogger, Mr. X. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's how X far you're DDS. going in The Simpsons? Oh, I, 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 I will also put on modern day Simpsons. They're not, I'm not saying they're good. I'm not saying they're even worse. I'm not even saying it's the same television show. But uh-huh. I am saying that it is playing in my apartment sometimes. Though this is that is a good uh, quick segue uh, to say that the new Animaniacs on Hulu I'm really enjoying. Oh, I'm three okay. I'm three eps in, and if you like the original one, I find this very gratifying. What? Who is it for? Um, I think it's mostly for us. us literally, okay. there is a lot. Of, it's a lot of meta humor. It's a lot of smart. The whole first episode is all about like reboots and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But I definitely think just like the old Animaniacs, it's very meta. It's very. Uh, it's very zippy. They didn't. They did not change in the formula, and it's very like self referential and cool. Anyway, this reminded me. We started that this weekend and are really enjoying it. My friend Andrew in Houston wrote a really good piece about it for the Houston Chronicle about like nostalgia and whatever. Speaking of nostalgia, during this promo, um, Jeff uses the word skank, which is a word that I realize you just don't hear anymore, and I wonder if the kids even know the word skank. Um, yeah, from the um, the ska renaissance that we're going through. <laughs> pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, you know, I think skank's one of those words where even if you've never heard it, you just kind of know. There's another word, there's another phrase that's used for women later in this series um, that we're going to talk about in this episode that I think is very funny that stuck with me more than skanks. After Jeff Jarrett uh, and and Doctor Tom uh, issue the challenge, you know, like when when Aaron, when you give us the, this homework, you I think you just kind of like you know just go like, okay, let, we'll do it. You know, the beginning of the clip until the end of the segment, uh, and and you know, like literally the time code right before the next clip. But once in a while, you get a. Uh, I don't know. I just have to say, like, it's it's a bit of a gem. And I just want to... I'm just going to play something for you guys right now. Hopefully you guys can hear it. I think I know what this Me. is. Did you guys hear that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh... Let me tell you. I have to say. <laughs> go ahead. You go first. 
I have so many questions about Fram Extra Guard. Okay, because what is it? I think it, what who? So you know how in the late nineties we had like a collect calling competition <laughs> and everyone was like one hundred collect, one hundred call ATT, and how you made collect calls was like such a matter of national interest. There was like huge Super Bowl commercials for it. Well, there was I guess sure. a similar car oil filter feud of the late 90s early 2000s and as a wrestling fan everything was like either quaker state or castrol gts or fram oil filters and so imagine my surprise when i years later get a car because remember i didn't get a car till i was like 22 i get a car and i realize None of that import- is interesting or important at all. I don't even know. I never had to buy an oil filter, I don't think. I never had to think about what brand I'd be loyal to if I was more of a Fram man or more of a Quaker State kind of guy. None of it was relevant. I don't know who these commercials were for. I I mean, okay, that clears up a lot because I was th- sitting there thinking, I'm like, the, the, the copy for it was the only filter with a rough texture. Uh, wait. Uh, let's see. A rough textured, sure grip top, and I was like, I, I didn't even know my filters <laughs> need a rough textured sure grip. It felt like describing a condom, but I was just like, like the 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 ad copy for this. Like, presumably, you're supposed to know what it is that that it is. I thought it was maybe for pool filters. I didn't even think about car filters. It's some sort of. I just was literally filter. going, "What filter? What filter is this?" <laughs> That's this what I mean. is. I got a this car and I was like, "Where do I get my? Where do we put the Fram? I don't understand where the Fram goes." <laughs> um, you know, uh, what were you gonna say? Uh, this is insane right here because I missed that in this segment. However, in my notes for the next segment, I have Fram written down in there. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Fram, 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 Fram. And- and the, and the reason and the reason for that is so so the next segment features um, May Young and the fabulous Moolah, and I realized while watching this that May Young reminds me of my Fram, and my Fram is my mother's mother, my grandmother. But when I was a baby, I couldn't say the word grandma, so I called her Fram, and it's just stayed for my entire life. I still call her Fram to this day. Oh, that's nice. That's kind of so. May Young is your friend. May Young's May just reminds me they they've got very similar faces and and even like looking at older pictures of May Young and my grandmother, which I realized I called May Young a dime on a recent episode when watching, and that's yeah. something that I'm going to have to unpack for a long time. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're about to do like the scene from Get Out where Aaron just falls backwards <laughs> and just like can only see like reality through a small dot. Wow, but this is like maybe this is like a little sign, Aaron. That you call your grandma Fram, and Fram was in this, and then Fram mm-hmm. is also like being advertised, and now we're all talking about Fram. Don't you think mm-hmm. that's like a thing? Yeah, I gotta give her a call. Also, Aaron's Aaron's grandma was a was a right guard for the uh, for the Florida Gators. Wait, I just want to clarify. Uh, Florida I, Seminoles. Wait, I just want to clarify that Aaron's grandma is alive, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, Fram is present. Should we get her on the line? Do you want to just patch her in? <laughs> Fram, what do you think dive. of May Young? Yeah, doesn't doesn't Fram sound like like how you would refer to your friends and your you know like you know they're Sup my friends Fram? but they're really my family they're my friend yeah what up Fram, Sup, Fram. doing this for the Fram. <laughs> so she wasn't a wrestling fan, um, but she used to tell me stories about her mother, my great grandmother, who would never miss roller derby every weekend and back then roller derby was was like scripted like or with uh scripted results like wrestling 
Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Cool. That is pretty cool. I mean, that's like very similar, right? I mean, I, I assume that they would like they kind of beat on each other mm-hmm. the same as as they do now. That's really cool. And now from this uh, segment, also, um, what mm-hmm. my, maybe one of my favorite moments in the entire thing. It's Mae Young and Moolah responding to Ivory's challenge, and Mae Young just, like, as though she was not paying attention, and then just, like, came in and just goes, she's a tramp! <laughs> she had <laughs> she had big Admiral Akbar energy. <laughs> it's a tramp! <laughs> so now we've got um, the... There were- Sorry, did you want to oh, say are you Are that? you moving past that match? I was going to go to the match. Oh, okay, go to the match, please. So we've got the Ivory versus Mae Young and the Fabulous Moolah in an evening gown match. Ivory has oh traded her scarves for a boa that she's having a lot of fun playing with as she heads down to the ring. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> this match <laughs> okay i hate i'm ready <laughs> i first of all i hated i look i know i know they're women of a certain age and you know their their sense of fashion might be a little bit more dated but i i really hated their dresses like i i know they were supposed to come out of them but like they were they were not good dresses I don't know, you guys. I kind of enjoyed this. <laughs> Go, Did, say more. Well, say more. Wait. Let, no. Let him, Don't help him. <laughs> um, May Young's spear to Ivory looked fucking awesome. Um, it was okay. It was. It was tough to watch, but it felt again like these two women were having a lot of fun doing this. Um, it was very funny to have to watch Ivory really help Mae Young go over the top ropes. Yes. It, Lord help me, man. If I am 70 and I can take a bump to the floor like that, please, I can barely take a bump on rollerblades. So, I, Lord, please. Good for her, man. I'm not going, to, I'm not going to, to die on the hill that this was good or great or anything, but there was a, a visceral entertainment quality to this that... I enjoyed. Yeah, I was sports entertained uh, for sure. Also, for uh, for any fans of uh, any certain proclivities, there is definitely a May Young nipple slip at uh, one hour eighteen minutes and thirty one seconds. If you want, I, I wrote the timestamp down. That's my service to the world. If you want it, and I was not watching uh, as carefully as Eric was apparently. <laughs> um, well, I mean, there's a very this is. This is a moment that like that Lawler calls out where he's like, "Oh no, oh no!" <laughs> he's just like, "I don't want to see this." It was when it was when Mae Young was trying to get over the top rope and like she kind of took a running start at the first when she you know when she took the bump mm-hmm. and she couldn't quite get over the rope and then uh, her top kind of was coming down a little bit. Um, when when yeah, Aaron, when you say it looked like they were having fun, I agree, but also in that way that you can like watch certain videos on uh, not safe for work websites and say, well, they look like they're actually having fun. Like these, these older women look like they're having fun in this. It looked pornographic is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, 
Can anyone make out what is Mae Young's tattoo? Couldn't tell you. Oh, they. Oh, didn't they say what it was? No, they just said she had one on her left arm. I don't know. I don't think anything I don't else. Am I, am I, I don't think anything else needs to be said of the uh, the Ivory versus Mula and May um, evening gown match. We'll have plenty more to talk about in other things, but I was entertained. It was yeah, I was entertained. I agree, and I was more entertained with this than uh, China versus Jeff and Zip Bonnie Donna. Was that their last names? Were they the body? I don't know. I don't think they had last names. Skip and Zip. Okay. So this goes, um, so Deborah strips, distracting Tom. There's a Lobo from China, Miss Kitty and Deborah fight, dista- distracting Jeff. Pritchard hits um, China with the guitar, and she falls on Jeff Jarrett. It's a bunch of overbooked nonsense. Yeah. But China will meet Jeff at no mercy based on her win here. September 30th. Jeff throws in an ironing board, a vacuum cleaner, and pots and pans, and King is very confused by all of these items. So am I, man. Uh, Jeff Jarrett has become like the carrot top of wrestlers. <laughs> he announces that it's going to be a good housekeeping match. It's going to be a beating with every appliance known to woman, including everyone knows that that great cleaning product, Guitars. Or an oscillating fan. What the fuck is that for? It is where he also has like the hot plate and he's like, the oven. And you're like, that's yeah. not an yeah. <laughs> yes. That's not an oven. He says it's an oven. That's no, not a hot plate. exactly. You could say it's a stove maybe and get away with it, but even that's kind of pushing it, Jeff. It's like a gas range. Yeah. Oh no, you know what? That's that's much later. Um okay. that's on I have that the the that's not an oven, that's an electric range, I think is on ten fourteen. Yeah, I thought that I was it. my last note. Yeah, I thought I had Here's... written down later, but I I can't remember all the all the hardware appliances being brought out in these segments. Uh, uh, no, this my favorite part about this segment was when he points out um, uh, Cindy Margolis again, and then says, "And another TV star from Shasta McNasty." And I swear to God, I laughed out loud. I don't laugh out loud most of the time, even when I'm watching comedies. But I lost my shit when he goes, "And another TV star from Shasta McNasty." Before that, though, he says, is there any woman out there who wants her carpet cleaned? Which sounded a lot dirtier to me than I think he intended it to be. I I thought he I thought he didn't mean it to be dirty, but I can't really tell. Yeah, I, I mean, tell. I, I, I don't think he could tell either. But yes, wait, who is that over there? Oh, my God, it's Heather Kozar, the other co-star from Shasta McNasty. I... <laughs> I hope that there's an alternate universe out there where Shastimus Nasty went on for like 20 seasons and is like a beloved touchstone of, of television. I I mean, I I truly, I mean, I don't know if I really want to, but I would very much like to meet the people who were like big fans of the USA shows. You know, like not, you know, obviously not Suits because that's, no, that you know, there are a lot of people I think who, who do like Suits. But, uh, you know, from this era. Eric, this one, Shasta Mazdassi was, was UPN. This was uh, SmackDown leaning heavily into oh. I, Honestly, same. Like, you know, what were what were UPN shows that anybody liked? Veronica Mars. Other than... Oh, was that a UPN? Yeah, and I think, yes, was it, it was. It wasn't like Moesha. There was a lot of, like... Um, 
like black targeted primetime sitcoms got their start there. I want to say like that's like girlfriends and Moesha, and I feel like a lot of those shows were all on UPN. That's true. Those that, that was on there. Also, I think Star Trek Voyager, which I watched. Yeah, you can't remember be, if that was on that or the WB. Don't be hating. No, it would have been. I'm, yeah. Well, then they merged eventually the two, which then it got kind of even more confusing. What's the CW? Yeah, Veronica Mars was definitely on WB at one point as well. Yeah, because they merged. The WWB. Well, and that's when it became the UPN Newt to replace the Michigan J Frog. <laughs> Eric, do you have any opinions on Michigan J Frog? <laughs> nope. Have nothing to th- nothing to say about him. It's a deep cut right there. Anyway, Deborah comes out and Jeff does a whole well, 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 well. <laughs> and before he can get to his fifth well, she is joined by Mula, <laughs> Mae Young, Jackie, Lillian, and Janet, the makeup lady. Janet, Janet, Janet. And I think it was Michael Cole had, who said, this is a walking militia. This had big The Union energy. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. The the notes that I have for this as China attacks during this, in all caps, is how am I marking out for this? How am I enjoying <laughs> this this much? I love seeing Jackie chase him up the ramp because she was wearing this mm-hmm. like crazy looking duster with like nothing on underneath it. And it just like it, she looked like a comic book character basically, but she was like chasing him up the ramp at like top speed and looked awesome. That was my note. Mm-hmm. Also though, I hate that Deborah and Jeff Jerry using the same music because every time there was like, I think two or maybe three times where like Deborah does like one of these where she interrupts Jeff Jarrett's in ring promo. But it, to me, it just sounded like Jeff's promo was ending early. Like he was like, and I'm done. I'm leaving. <laughs> Cause it's his music. And I was like, wait, wait, what are we waiting for? Oh, oh, Deborah's here. Also, Deborah's got a very, like, um, she doesn't have a very wide range of motion when it comes to like when she comes out, it's usually like her, her feet are at 10 and two and her hands kind of like, they are usually on her hip and then she just shifts her weight and kind of like does this thing with her face. It's like, it's like three or four things. It's like when ivory was asking Cindy Margolis to give poses, except nobody's asking Deborah for this and walk and walk and legs and hands (laughs) on hips. Now shifts. (laughs) um and i love the the segment ends with may and mula attacking the king by just furiously holding on to him yes yeah i enjoyed this and next up we have the rebellion pay-per-view which again third time now you haven't heard it you can hear our recap of that already out now wherever you get your podcast write and review blah 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 there were two matches from jeff jarrett that night and the one with China ended with a run-in from Bulldog, preventing China from winning the Intercontinental Championship there. So then we go to October 4th. Mulan May attack Ivory backstage by taking her shirt off. Terry wants to know if Ivory accepts May and Mulan's challenge. JJ accepts it for her. This is where they start calling Mula and May um, sea hags, and I think that is so fucking funny, I can't even tell you. Like, it's such, like, a, <laughs> what a weird, old-timey, like, they're not going to call them a bunch of, like, old bitches, you know? But sea hags, I think Jerry Luller says it first, and then both Ivory and Jarrett, like, repeat it, and it becomes, like, an ongoing thing for them. Sea hags! Calling them sea hags. 
<laughs> Why are they sea hags? What do they have to do with the water? <laughs> sea hags. I can't. It's my favorite thing. Oh, that's funny. Um, so for the match there, uh, Mulan May's entrance is just the sound of a very quiet lawnmower. <laughs> Oh my god! This it was like the 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 music was attacking us, and May Young just looks very funny in her like regal robe with her crown. Yeah, that crown was huge. That that was that's the crown that they should make for Netflix. Is just <laughs> May Young. But yeah, I would a million, yeah, watch a million, yes. a million percent watch a like very serious highbrow drama about Mae Young's life where each season's like a different like decade of her life like a mil- with played by different actresses are you kidding me i'm gonna start writing that right. i'm writing the spec script as soon as we hang up the phone today <laughs> but instead of jj getting in there he throws in miss kitty to the ring um moolah covers midi and ivory attacks may jeff and kitty argue i think we all know where this is going it's another figure four at this point, when Jeff Jarrett goes to visit his mom, does he go to hug her and then start slipping down <laughs> into, like, getting her into a figure four? He's just like, this is all I know! That night also has a match between Bulldog and China, which I aggressively didn't watch because I was bored. Really? I actually thought there was but, like, a couple good spots. Yeah. There was one yeah, where I thought... China whips Bulldog into the corner, and he does almost like the Shawn Michaels, like, upside-down, like, super sell, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, I, I, I thought the interesting thing to me about this was this was the first match out of the homework that didn't feel like a a, a weird, icky uh, Battle of the Sexes match. It was just like, this felt like, what I, I put this as like, this felt like final form, where it's just like, oh yeah, now China's just going to fight Bulldog because like, they are two people who are tr- trying to like, move up in the ranks and they need to fight each other, you know? Yeah. And so like, I was like, I was into it for that part because like, you know, Bulldog's just like, yeah, man, I'm going to fuck with you because I want this title or, or I want to be number one contender for the championship. And I was like, you know, on the merits of that, I'm into it. And but then, of then, course, it, yeah. and then I wrote, oh, well, never mind because of the way it ended. Because <laughs> yeah. then it ends with a JJ attack with a – is that a coffee urn? It's a coffee urn, you guys. What is that? Then he's like, Hunter, title shot, blah, 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 blah. So then on the October 7th, JJ is in waiters with Miss Kitty. Um, We've got Jeff ankle deep in mud, which is basically a big old metaphor for everything that we've been talking about this entire time. Yeah. Welcome to your bachelor party. And he has put Miss Kitty into this match here as Miss Kitty is like, no, I don't want to do this match. And then he says, I I wrote out this entire thing. China, there will be no backing out of the good housekeeping match at No Mercy because I will show no mercy. What? Yikes. Yeah. He also kind of fucked up on t- on t- on telling the rules of the match. Like he, you know, w- with the um, yeah, the winner takes her top the... off. It's like, wait, no. Yep, the winner has to have their top ripped off. I'm like, no, no, that's not exactly right. So yeah, so the match itself is um. 
uh, Jeff Jarrett calls Not. out the <laughs> WWF ladies champion, Ivory, and says that she brings honor and dignity to the WWF women and then throws her into the mud because she's the one who's in the match. At which point King says, is that poisonous mud? Are there snakes? <laughs> Wait, what? He said that? Yes. <laughs> well, how did he even get there? I do not know. So JJ throws Ivory into the mud. Uh, Ivory rips off Miss Kitty's top. Um, I hate this. But also, it kind of made mud wrestling look like super fun. So also, when this is all done and we can touch each other again, let's just get a big old pit of mud, you guys. Okay, so it is an OnlyFans. Yes, it is. Yeah, definitely, 100%. We figured it out by the end of the episode. I did like on this, though, how they wouldn't say bra. It's like he got her, yeah, he got the second top off. Yes, that lower top. And you're like, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the subterranean top. Yes, indeed. Like, second top? it's like it's like Great British Baking Show. It's like, well, the first tier has come off, but we need to take the second tier off of this three-tiered person. Uh, overproved. No? Okay, man. All right, well. <laughs> wait, wait. Oh, overproved. I, I didn't hear. Fences, I, I, missed... man. I, I went for it. You know what? I went for it. Got it. I didn't get <laughs> it. That's all right. What was it a reference to? Great British Baking Show. Oh, I don't it, watch yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, Bobby, the reference was a little stodgy, but, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> You don't watch Great British Baking Show, Aaron. That's something you should re- like. No, I we're need... going into the dark times. It's fine. I it's need... a good show. No, I need story. Oh, there's story. Oh, there's yeah, yeah there's beautiful, beautiful story. Nah, also, I don't know. Okay, we may have to. This not for this podcast, but not for right now. But you know what? Let's talk about Great British Baking Show later because I do want to talk. about Yeah, it. subscribe to our OnlyFans. Rate and review us. <laughs> uh... So. Jeff pushes May and Moolah into the mud as well, at which point China starts sneaking up behind and the crowd loses its fucking mind as she dropkicks Jeff into the mud and he yells, you bitch. I think I like you this You see, story. hag. <laughs> I think I like this story. I think that overall, I think that this is... And we're getting close to the end, so we can get to our our closing thoughts soon. But I think overall, I really like this story. And despite the fact that it's it's hitting on all these tropes that we've seen in other places before, it's got me invested. And I really want to see Jeff Jarrett go down for this. So on October 11th, we've got Ivory versus Mae Young which starts with an attack by the title. Then Mula attacks, and Ivory runs off as her music is playing. Eh. The more important thing is that we've got China and Triple H versus JR and Austin uh, in a, a much less interesting story which is for the, uh, for the world championship. Could not care less about most of this. Yeah. I mean, this match, I feel like, isn't really what's... Ha- it just becomes, like, a big brawl separating everywhere. World's killing time. Um, Austin and Triple H, you know, start wrestling out while China and JR kind of keeps JR uh, just, like, on yeah. the ground. Yeah, I don't even understand the whole point of JR wrestling. We might see a little bit in the recap at No Mercy, but... Um... Basically, Triple H has been using JR as, as kind of a pawn to get what he wants, using his friendship with Mankind first and then his friendship with Austin. 
now in order to to kind of tip the scales in his way. More important thing for our story is that JJ attacks China with a toaster, um, and Miss Kitty comes down with a laundry bin, and they throw in China. Then JJ throws the laundry cart off of a ramp, and China is a bloody mess. I'm glad that they uh, that they used the standard uh, cover for the laundry bin, as we all know, the wooden door that you put on top of it. Well, you don't want your laundry to escape. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Hey, did you lock up the laundry? Okay, good. We, we don't want Deborah sneaking in there <laughs> trying to catch a nap. We'll Listen, never get you don't out. know what's in there. It could be laundry. It could be a bin full of crawdads. You don't know. <laughs> it could be laundry. It could be a 200-pound woman. <laughs> And she's angry. So and she's on her period. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so the go-home smackdown, Jeff Jarrett basically just points at a bunch of housewares. It's a, a big old, old snooze. And that this is when uh, we get the hot plate that he says is the oven. And then <laughs> Deborah's here, hit, uh, hands on waist, shifts her weight, there will be a new champ at No Mercy, and it will be a woman. It's a nothing-ass segment to end it. I mean, basically, Jeff Jarrett set up a home goods aisle uh, in the ring. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, please, just come come on down. Like, well, our prices are pretty good. It was like, it looked like a, like a yard sale. But at this point, there's some pretty interesting stuff going on backstage, right, Bobby? Indeed, there is. So, Jarrett... Uh... So we are at ten fourteen. This paper that that's the SmackDown, right? So then, yep. The pay per view would be this was Thursday. So then Friday would be the fifteenth, sixteenth, seventeenth. Uh, Jarrett's contract with the WWF expires on October fifteenth, nineteen ninety nine, which is one day before the scheduled No Mercy match with China that we've just watched them spend two months building. Oh, I, I know how this goes. It sort of slipped through the cracks there at WWF a bit, depending who you talk to. Um, fa- uh, mostly uh, JR gets the blame for not being on top of this but I think the impression I get is that Jarrett's father Jerry Jarrett uh, who was also kind of like kind of like helping like work the deal here was kind of like giving JR all of these like assurances as they go so it wasn't like they completely didn't realize his contract was ending but regardless he showed up without his gear to the pay-per-view and was like if you want me to wrestle You've got to pay me this money. And uh, the, the tale gets kind of like overblown and uh, exposed as like the, or, or kind of like uh, blown up to the B that he kind of like extorted this money from Vince McMahon. But really what it is that Jer- uh, Jeff Jarrett was going to WCW, he had already decided uh, that was going to happen, but he was nervous that he wasn't going to get paid for the money that was owed to him for the last few months of work that he was doing. Cause he's been, you know, obviously working with them all this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was nervous that if that, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to get paid from pay-per-views and whatever, there could be like a six month lag. And he wanted all the money that he thought that was owed to him for the work that he had done up to that point paid up front before he did the match. So some, uh, I think China and Bob Holly said in their books, it was 300,000. I've also heard $200,000 uh, that he was paid then to to and had to be wired into his account his wife had to confirm it was received before he did the match and then he released stephanie from the basement she had a little <laughs> she had a little drawing on her forehead but otherwise she was fine yeah i mean it sounds opportunistic but also fuck them 
but also fuck Vince. And actually, I, I mean, it's not. It's he's not looked at for this badly. People aren't like, "What a scumbag!" It's people are like, "Good for you, <laughs> like good for you." No one ever gets to win against Vince McMahon for money. Now, whether he did in the long run or not, we we could we could say, but we could we could chat about. I, I mean, also, it sounds like I mean, at least from from what you the way you described it. Bobby, it sounds like he just wanted the money that was due to him. Yeah. Right? Like, it wasn't like, uh, well, now you have to pay me $3 million to finish this uh, this this arc. Uh, it was just like, yeah, man, uh, you know, I want to get paid up front. Like, you know, it wasn't like he was going to have to get paid more money down the road or something. Yeah, it was more like, cause I, like you know, wrestling and, and finances was very fishy, uh, obviously. Like, how they get paid, what percentage they get of, like, the gate or whatever is basically up to, like, Vince McMahon's whim. How much they think what they did that night contributed to the sale, to the gate, to the, to the pay-per-view buys, whatever. Uh, so it's all kind of fishy. So the number is made up in a lot of ways, too, that Jeff Jarrett basically was like, this is what I think is fair, and basically this is how much you pay me this, I'll do this match, we walk away, and we're just, like, done with each other. Um, but that's what he Almost wanted. Almost as though all money break. is made up. <laughs> True. But at least this, there was, like, Whoa. there's not, like, he wasn't, like, waiting, like, okay, well, we get paid bi-weekly, and I'm an hourly employee, <laughs> that's, you know, that, minus, of course, like, my taxes and my health insurance you give me, you know what I mean? Like, so it's not like that, it was just sort of, like, how much you get paid for that pay-per-view, you'll find out in six months. Yeah, it's, it's like, how good is your Royal Rumble? Who knows? Unfortunately, Jeff Jarrett was represented by the fabulous Moolah, so he really did not see as much of it as he hoped. <laughs> Anybody have any final thoughts on this story? I mean, I just really enjoyed it, man. I just, I mean, I didn't enjoy it, but I enjoyed watching China win. Or at least, like, I yeah. enjoyed watching her, like, have her moments of justice. I I have to say, um, you know, when this episode was pitched to me as kind of like, okay, this is the next episode. I mean, you never pitch anything to me. I'm, I just have to <laughs> fucking put my head in the bowl. But, uh... <laughs> You know, when I heard about this, I kind of I wasn't really sure. You know, I mean, my knee jerk reaction was, oh, boy, we're going to go into some real problematic territory. And of course, is it problematic? Yes. But all of it's problematic. Um, I have to say this came across a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, It was more interesting than I thought it was going to be. You know, like there were there was more there were more things to it that I found enjoyable than I initially thought. Is it my favorite storyline? Probably not. Um, But, you know, even like the camp stuff was good camp. I mean, it's a lot better than watching like, you know, Jose Lothario and uh, um, uh, Cornette, Jim Cornette, like wrestle, you know, like that's a type of camp that was not fun or not interesting. And this was like a more interesting, funnier camp that I was into. So yeah, you know, all things considered, not bad. Well, there is also like, you know, I'm sure Vince Russo wasn't thinking about it this much, but to me, it's like, you're putting this historic position of having China be the first woman to potentially win the intercontinental title. It's a huge deal. And why hasn't it happened before? Because there actually literally are people out there who believe that women shouldn't be doing anything, let alone the same level or competitiveness as men. And I think to put that, to make that part of this story felt really organic and necessary to like really confront sexism in a very in, in truly the most literal way where they're hitting each other with frying pans. I mean, like literally confronting sexism. Uh, 
in route to this historic moment, I think uh, it does all gel and click and make sense as part of the the overall story they're telling. And you'll be able to see, hear us talk about the conclusion of this story soon. But in the meantime, love us, disagree, want to hit us with a hot plate, pay us two hundred thousand dollars to hear the conclusion to this story. Because sorry, man, we need to get get our beaks wet. Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. Get updates on Facebook or Twitter at hellinacellpod. Or tweet at us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our art is by Alexis Yavin. Find links to both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts where we ever get your podcasts. We've got another deep dive coming next week, but join us again in two weeks for No Mercy 1999. And again, the other No Mercy. Hey. No Mercy US is what I call it. Hey, Eric. $200,000. It's yeah. a lot of milk. <laughs> yeah, but imagine if I brought back the bottles. 